all these questions inform how we treat ourselves and how we treat others. If you as a leader are not able to articulate this clearly to your group and any outsider that would love to join you, so you need to be aware of these things. Healthy values are what we consider, those that encourage members to care that enrich themselves and understanding community and the principles of community. The art of community, seven principles for belonging by Charles H. Vogel. What is it that I'm actually looking for? We really know life. Sure. But let me say intelligence. Emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence. So I believe it's important for each and every one of us to understand the rules that govern any arena of your life. You are listening to The Revenge of the Forsaken Gods, a podcast that explores the human experience and seeks to create a blueprint for a living using books, stories, movies, and conversations. And here is your host, Andrew Balongo Opere. Hello, this is Andrew Balongo Opere, and in this edition of the podcast, I'll be reviewing the book, The Art of Community by Charles H. Vogel. Now, this is a live presentation done at the League of Young Professionals Book Club, which meets once a month, and we review books on various topics, ranging from autobiographies, to business, to relationships. So, enjoy the episode. Thank you very much, everyone. Taking you through the art of community, seven principles for belonging by Charles H. Vogel. That's his picture, and uh, he's an, uh, a consultant and award winning author. He deals with tech, he's dealt with finance, media, government. And uh, an interesting fact about him is uh, he did his master's at Yale, and uh, generally throughout his life, uh, he's not found his groups to fit in. Like in his teens, his cousin Erin took him to a church, but he just wasn't feeling it. In his 20s, he joined the US Marine Corps, and uh, as he was with the volunteers, there's this unwritten rule that you know, guys are drinking together and he doesn't drink. So one of the guys just told him straight up, uh, I don't trust people that don't drink. And uh, you know, when he went to Yale, he also still felt like an outsider. Uh, you know how you kind of feel you're being invited to this prestigious institution and they're going to find out you're a fake. So, um, so he was very scared, you know, like I'm going to be found out I'm a fraud and then get thrown out of Yale. So in his attempt just to try and make things alright, uh, him and his wife at the time, they started hosting lunches, no sorry, dinners, every Friday. At first, people would give excuses, oh, I'm busy, I'm not coming. They would come, then they would cancel. Then finally, you know, they'd cook a large feast, the people show up. But over a while, people started showing up. And, you know, at first, he was dismayed because he could have gone anywhere on a Friday night. He had to cancel a lot of things. But eventually, the group grew to over 500 plus. They had a lot of relationships to the point where now they even asked for volunteers to prepare the menu, cook the food you know, and organize this. And at the end of that, they, they had friendships where they could call on each other during good time, but also they could even call on people when they just wanted to cry. You know, he has a friend called Nick and they call each other the, the 3 a.m. friends. But you know, you can call at that time, and, you know, they listen to you and you can cry. So that really helped him and his wife and those friends 
actually go through their time at Yale. And those are both one of the impulses that caused him to write this book. As an outsider, he has the best uh, way of writing this material. And also, while he was doing his, uh, his degree, he learned about ethics, religion, and philosophy. So he's also gotten the principles from these established traditions. How have they been able to keep their communities uh, running as long as they have? How do they cater towards their participants? <coughs> So the contents I'll go through two main uh, points, understanding community and the principles of community. So understanding community comes in four parts. Recognizing the community, values that bind the community, values and membership identity, communities and moral propositions. So the first one, <coughs> recognizing the community. People might think a community is very obvious in what it is, but it's not. A group of individuals who share mutual concern for one another's welfare. That might seem obvious, but if you look at the next point, a group is the same thing. People who share ideas, interests, but they lack concern for one another. Now, even as we go through this, I'd like you to think of LYP, the group that we are in right now, and even the groups that you're in. Do you just share ideas and you care about one another? Or you just share ideas and once a session is over, you don't get by? out of the window, or out of the door. <laughs> <laughs> Membership identity. I'd like you to take note of these three points. Who am I? How should I act? What do I do? These are the three things that he defines what makes up our identities. Now, what makes up my identity in this group might not necessarily be duplicated in another group. For example, I might be kind amongst YP members, but me as an entrepreneur, I might be very unkind to my clients. <coughs> so it does not automatically jump from one sphere to another. So healthy values are what we consider. Those that encourage members to care, that enrich themselves and others. So even as you're here, are you being enriched? Are you enriching others? Shared values. The whole reason why we are in this group together is because we believe we have values that we share and the things in quotes that we disdain, we don't like, we also share those things, like being ignorant. <coughs> so even like if you hear a lot of the things that, that, that we share, the values that we share here, learning, this is an atmosphere where we can improve. So yes, we clearly share and recognize and personally represent the values so that others can recognize they want to join. So the explicit and implicit values, and this is very important, especially if you're a leader in any capacity, even an entrepreneur. We always communicate values. People always say value, mission, vision, whatever. That's very explicit. This is what we believe in. But we don't articulate the things that are implicit, and these are the things that could unravel our business, our families, our groups. For example, we might say that we are all inclusive, we accept everyone, but implicitly, maybe we ignore people that are different than us, maybe they have a tattoo, or maybe they are in jail, or you know, and we notice that we really don't talk to them, we, we back away. So we might be unaware of certain <coughs> implicit values that might unravel the threads of our enterprise, whatever it is. So be careful if you're a leader enterprise. Communities and moral presuppositions. Pros. 
pro proscriptions. Yes, mark these questions down. These are sort of the questions that guide us as we relate to one another in the group. What and whom do we protect? What is intolerable? What do we share? With whom do we share? Whom do we respect? How do we show respect? All these questions inform how we treat ourselves and how we treat others. If you as a leader are not able to articulate this clearly to your group and any outsider that would love to join you for whatever reason, then you will find that the group will somehow push them out or someone who you might be aware of is the leader or not the leader might push those people out. For example, it's very clear that in this particular group, our facilitator, Martin, is the authority right here. So if someone was to do any sort of behavior that's not conducive to the group environment, it would look funny if maybe just someone else decided to chase them away as opposed to Martin. Then we'd all know if people, if that person complied, that person is an authority figure, but they don't have an official title, but they do hold authority within the group. So we need to be aware of these things. So now we go to the next point, which are the seven principles of belonging. I'll go through the first three, <coughs> boundary, initiation, and ritual, but I'll just slightly define the other four, which is temples, story symbols, and inner rings. The boundary principle, this is the line between members and outsiders. So you find that boundary serves a particular function. This is the area where it is our safe space to be able to share our values, our activities, and what have now, when we invite insiders, they can get to watch so that they can decide if they'll be part of this group or not. But this boundary is very clear, and you find that not only does this happen in any group like LYB, but you notice it's in any group, schools, families. Yes, it's a confident place because we all understand each other. We all understand our language. We're here to learn. When criticism is done, we don't catch feelings because we've set those precedents as the values we have within the club. So if an outsider starts hearing some of this language, they might say, hey, what's going on here? They might not understand it as much. An interesting challenge if you're a leader is what I call, if you're overly inclusive versus overly exclusive. What does this mean? If our group tends to be overly inclusive, that means we're accepting everyone, Everyone might not be sharing our same values. So much we might be introducing mismatched values. For example, it is a clear value that we like to learn and improve and accept criticism. So we might find people that maybe they don't want to come here to learn, but they just want to come and argue and debate ideas. Debating is a different forum, but that might not mix well here. Versus overtly exclusive, that means we make it so tightly packed, no one can enter. So the question would be, who has authority in this group? <coughs> it's too exclusive that we can't even really grow. Initiation principle. We're very familiar with this principle. Whenever anyone is brought into a new group, we always do an activity. You know, they, they sign the membership form and you say, congratulations, Daisy, our new member. Everyone, round of applause. Yeah. So you see, we're all aware of initiation uh, principles. 
the activities and mark a new member to the group. And once they get into the group, this new member gets the privileges of the group. Now, another example I'd like to give, an acceptance letter from a university. We're familiar with things like this. And if you are a leader in any capacity, it's recommended to you know, even just give someone a call if, 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 if you're onboarding a new member. It's, it really helps with building that community that they feel warm and included. And the challenge as a leader, especially with this initiation uh, principle, is a crisis of belonging. And I did mention this earlier where you find that you're entering this prestigious place and you might feel, hey, this place is not for me. The caliber of people here, oh my god. I, I can't come and speak here. There's Regina Ray, she's an actress. There's Alan, he's been speaking all over the world. Oh my god, I can't speak in this forum. You know, there's Andrew. So, the, the way to be able to assist with this challenge is, as a leader, you have to invite the new person. Because when you invite the new person, you're showing that, number one, I have the authority. Number two, what this does is, you're extending this authority to the other person. So it's like, oh, you've reached out and now I belong. Because the authority figure does impact the group. So it does impact the sense of belonging. Like, oh, I'm part of this group, I'm one. Number three is the ritual principle. We are very familiar with rituals. Like, birthday parties. Uh, like the way when he asked us to do this introduction thing, what do you want to change your nickname, a description about you. These are rituals. Any practice that marks as a time or event or special is important. It makes new members feel valued and connected. Now, there's a form to it, and we're very familiar with it. The number three, opening body and clothes. When you open, you introduce how this is going to be, you inform what, what's going to happen. The body, this is where you inform everyone what's going to happen. When you close, you finish off and you give people a chance to execute whatever they're going to learn from the body. That's the foundational form. And normally this uh, yes, ritual principle inviting is very powerful because it invites us to participate. So the last four principles, temple, it's very obvious. This is the place where the, the group houses its activities, where we do our thing. You mentioned you're in Rotary, so you know that you guys meet at a specific location at a particular time. So there's no confusion. So you know, the new members can know where to meet you if they want. Stories. This is how we share everything that goes on into the group. We hear that he's in Rotary, she's a communications coach. Everyone has been using stories to all teach what goes on in this group. Symbols. We use symbols as a way to embody. Like for example, a cake is a symbol to celebrate the life of that person. You know, the actual cake cannot celebrate it, but we just use it as a symbol, as a token. The inner rings are path to grow as you participate. In other words, these are just the stages of growth in leadership. Obviously, the person that starts as a new member cannot become a facilitator like a regenerator. They have to go through the process 
come and do presentations. After doing presentations, you volunteer, then you go through the training. There are always levels in any organization, even at work. So that's what INNER represents. The end, the end is not a bad thing. And it's okay for a community to end. What are the reasons for a community ending? There are very many reasons. Maybe you might get an opportunity, you move. Or maybe the goal of the group ends. There can be very many reasons. Or maybe it even violates its values. So many things happen. Natural disaster, people die, the founder dies. So many reasons why it could end. So we need to consider what the real purpose is. That is to nurture its members. And that way you know that regardless of whether the group only lasted for a week or years, were you enriched? Thank you very much. Thank you for watching or listening to this edition of the podcast. If you have learned anything from this edition, please share one takeaway that you've gotten from this in the comment section below. And if this presentation has been beneficial to you, please like, share with your friends, and also subscribe so that we may continue to grow this community. Thank you very much and have a great day.